back to another episode of Bed Talks. Um, we are excited to be here tonight. I am so excited and pumped for our guest tonight. My husband knows I'm a nerd for business and people just exceeding and pushing beyond limits. And this woman, I'm going to let her introduce herself mostly because she is so accomplished. Her name is Marissa Ibera Williams. Uh, she's a Latina attorney in the state of Texas, but not just any attorney. She ranks in the top 2% of attorneys, right? She has been going at it for a long time, proving her value, her worth. Um, it became kind of her story, teaching people how to pivot because a lot of us in the world oftentimes may think that we can't accomplish the things we wanna accomplish or we can't push through the things we wanna push through. Um, but Marissa, after this show, I think people are gonna be feeling pretty motivated. And empowered, might I add. Yes, yes. So Marissa, tell people, because I, I can't even do you like the acclaim of all the things you've done. I know you've been a, For a Forbes power woman uh, chosen in their, their list um, as far as, you know, attorneys. But tell us a little bit more about your accomplishments. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. You know, I'm just thrilled to be able to start hopefully giving people some ideas of how you do this life thing better uh, without letting life get to you and take you down. Right. Um, so I have been an attorney for 15 years now. So I've spent the last 22 years getting here um, and kind of started just, and you want to know as a woman of color, you got to work really hard. Um, and I would have to work 300% harder um, just to be taken seriously or even for my clients to consider what I was saying. Um, Latinas make up 2% of the lawyers in this country and only is about 4% of the lawyers in Texas, even though you probably know Texas has like 40% Hispanic population. So it just tells you how few of us there are. Um, but pivoting is what allowed me to take what should be a negative and actually turn it into all of these accomplishments and accolades. I, I Instead of it, yeah. you know, deterring me, it's what propelled me. Yeah, I like that we stand out. And I think you should go back to the statistics because I was looking at demographics when it comes to people of color that are attorneys and it's such a wide gap between like yes. population and the number or percentage of people that are attorneys. So you said there's only four percent, right, of attorneys yes. that are like so well do nationwide we're between eighteen and nineteen percent of the population is Hispanic. Right. But we are 2%, Latinas in particular, 2% of the attorneys in the country. Yes. Mm. Mm. Then you go to Texas, right? Texas has 40%, about 40% Hispanic population. Of that, only 4% of Latina lawyers in, in the state. That's huge. And then you're sitting in the top 2%, right, as far as ranked. So you're in that yes, top. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so we have what's called super lawyers in every state. And they, when you're younger, when, when you're younger, you're called a rising star. And under rising star, they, you are only eligible if you are the top 2.5% of attorneys in your state. Wow. Um, and I was a rising star for four or five years. I have to look at the years again. And then once you uh, turn 40, you're now eligible for the regular super lawyer status. And that you're you only eligible, the top 5% of the lawyers in the state could even be eligible for that acknowledgement. And I have been a super lawyer. I think this is my third year um, on that list as well. So I can now say confidently that most of my career, I have been on one of these two lists. 
And not only that, you were also um, chosen by Forbes as 50 of their most powerful women. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how they found you or found out about you? And then we can go back into the backstory because I want people to hear <laughs> some of the stories of how when you would walk into the room or the courtroom and how people, t- you know, t- you know, treated you and responded mm. to you. So let's start with the highs first. Sure. So Fortune Mag- Magazine does a women and business uh, edition. It's every October of every year. And um, probably about 2014, I think it was 2013, they started adding sections for different industries, one of which was women leaders in the law, right? And that was obviously lawyers. Um, Well, that was 2014. In 2013, I tried my first case. It was a multi-million dollar case, and I won. Um, And so that had gotten some kind of some notoriety, I guess, or to kind of put me on some list. And and I think that that's how they ended up finding me was because all of a sudden, you know, you have this baby lawyer who tried a case and, you know, represented a Fortune 500 company and won. Um, so I was on their list for a couple of years because of that, because um, I was just starting to try cases and it was kind of unheard of for such a baby lawyer. And we use that term like when you're one, two, three, four, five years out and you're just learning your way through. Um, It's just kind of a term of art that we use, but it was a big deal that, you know, companies were letting me do that. And it really is part of what propelled me into the next, you know, kind of section of my career. Um, And I'm just grateful, you know, for all those opportunities. But it's been a grind to get here every single step of the way. Hmm. Uh, I I asked you a question, but it's going to come in in kind of three parts. Okay. Um, My first question is, let me just focus on the first question. Do you think it's most important to start something? Do you think it's most important the in be, uh, to, to, to continue with the in-between, a.k.a. the process? Or do you think it's most important to finish something? And I know that's kind of in three parts. You know, we all have to start something, but how many of us actually continue that something, whatever that is? And we can tell that you, of course, being a woman of color, a minority, had, I mean, the numbers alone, the percentages alone, um, you know, tell that story. But to start something is a feat within itself, okay? But to continue okay. with that something in, in, in spite of all the obstacles, the hardships, and then if you are able to get through that middle ground, that process to finish it. So what are those three, what do those three main stages mean to you? You know, I'll tell you, when I was young, my mom used to tell people that I was fearless. And I didn't really appreciate what that word meant. Because um, in my mind, I just, I was scared. I'm scared all the time. It just doesn't stop me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So That's um, called courage, was, by the way. <laughs> you know, there's all these terms for yeah. these things, right? <laughs> but to me, it was just like, well, why not? Right? Like, why not? Um, so... I would at one point in my life, I think I would have told you starting something is the most important thing, because if you don't start it, you can't end it. and You can't get anything in between. Um, But I'll tell you now where I'm at at this particular time in my journey, um, they all there's no longer a three part series for me. It is a journey that you can enjoy at the beginning, during, while and when. Mm because every single one of those stages teaches you something about yourself, about the process, about what you thought you wanted, about who you, who you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot distinguish one from the other, right? That's part of what led me down this road now was we, we try too hard to break it up when it's more holistic. It's a journey all day, every day. Mm-hmm. 
But if you never go for it, and if you're never open to what life is presenting to you, you can miss out on a whole lot. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That, that, that deserves a, a round of applause. Can you all hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Well put, Marissa. I, I like I what it. you're saying yeah. because I think, you know, That's I'm fun. very achievement oriented. I'm guilty of this too, so I can relate to this. I'm always thinking steps ahead. And what I've been really pushing myself to do lately is to really focus on the moment, enjoying the moment. Um, and so I understand exactly what you're saying, because sometimes it goes so fast and you look back and people come and tell you an accolade. and You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot I did that. Like you didn't really take time to enjoy it. And there's learning in the moment, not just in the accomplishment, but in the journey to get to the accomplishment, you know, measuring your resilience, your adaptiveness, how resourceful you are, like, you know, some, some, th you know, things that you just didn't know, maybe you even had in yourself. And I, I, I understand what you're saying. Sometimes you're scared. And I, I think people need to hear that out there, that sometimes they look at people who are doing things and they're like, oh my God, they're just, they're fearless. And I just think some people are just willing to just put their foot in the water and try. And I think you, you could be amazed by, you know, what happens when you do that. It is because, you know, um, everything that I've started and even, you know, people look at you successful today and they just think, oh, she's got it all worked out. No, honey, I was messy. OK, <laughs> I just didn't stop. I just didn't stop. And I kept on going and I didn't even know where I was going, but I was going somewhere. And I figured one day I was going to figure out where I was going to end up. But it was really and I that's what I tell people all the time is. You don't know who you are, who you can become, who you think you're not, who you were given to be. If you don't kind of step out there and try something, step out there and start something, step out there and go for it. You know, I love there's a saying, right? It's like shoot for the moon. You end up with the stars. Mm -hmm. If there was any model that takes my life, it's that one. Mm -hmm. I don't mind failing because I'm just going to be with stars. OK, I won't hit the moon. Like when you look at it that way, it takes that the nastiness of failure and the nastiness of not doing well and the nastiness of what we tell ourselves. And you end up with a bunch of stars. What's been your driver? What's been your driver? You know, um, I'll tell you, the first driver I had is actually, um, but people might relate to this. I lost my cousin when I was young. Mm. Um, we were 11 months apart and he was my best friend, like cousin. Like he was my first like cousin that we were friends, right? We were homies. Um, and he always saw me as going to be like successful. I was in speech and debate in high school. You heard my name on the announcements. I was messy on the weekends, but that's, you know, <laughs> teenage life. And he would not let me date his friends because he was like, uh-uh, you're going to be somebody. Hmm. I didn't know what I was doing there, and I didn't know that I was going to be somebody. And But when I lost him, my initial driver was let me live into whatever it is he thought he saw in me. Hmm. I don't have to believe it yet. I might not be there yet. I don't even know what that is. But my life needed to matter for him, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that really became because it's different when you're doing something for someone else and to honor somebody else. It's bigger it's than really you. Far, yeah, you'll, you'll keep going, mm -hmm. you know, like and when I would catch myself in those moments where I was like, Lord, I don't know if I mm -hmm. can do this. And I would think of it. I was like, I'm still here. I am still here. Wow. I'm still here. I like that you are acknowledging the messiness. Like, you know, I think we look at people so black and white, but we're all multi multifaceted and we all have dark spots, dark sides. 
<laughs> like that we're like we're battling our inner demons. And I think is I, I like that you're being authentic and saying that. And then I like that you talked about your cousin because people who are successful, usually the mission is way beyond them. It's not about them. It's about family. Mm-hmm. It's about friends. It's about, you know, taking care of something that is, you know, maybe unresolved relating to something that affected them. That's usually people's drivers. So you're telling people out there like no matter what your situation is, no matter where you start, no matter what you have going on, it's not a defining moment. You can still continue to define your moment. Well, that's a part of the process, though. The messiness is a part yes. of the process. And that's why I so love whenever I read an autobiography or interview someone such as yourself who is transparent. I mean, it, it, it goes to say that the messiness is like the meat of the matter. I've, I've always used this analogy. It's like a sandwich. You know, you have your two slices of bread and those parts are important. That's why I posed that question to you. What's most important, the first, the middle or the finish? Well, when you think about it, it's the, it's the meat that actually makes that whole sandwich. I'm from the South, so I use a lot of food analogies, okay? <laughs> and so when I hear you speaking, it's, it's like you, you know what it means to focus on the meat of the matter, the in-between. I love what you said when you said, look, they all work hand in hand. You can't talk about one without the other because if you don't start it, you won't have a chance to get to the middle, okay? Nor will you have a chance to finish it. So when you talk about, again, your driver um, and, and your late uh, uh, cousin, if I'm not mistaken, I'm curious, is there anything that you've named, you know, after, you know, after him? Is there an organization or, or something um, just to, to, to symbolize and pay homage to, to him for seeing things in you that you didn't see in yourself at that time? Well, a lot of what I'm working on now is kind of in that space of, you know, the last 20 something years have been to get here. Right. And just like really try to make myself stand out in a community that, you know, too few of us are in. And then now it became like, well, what is my life about now? Right. Who am I going to become in this stage of my life? What can I do? Um, And I kind of take what he did for me, like he had me uh, succeed, had me go, had me try, had me, you know, begin things that I never would have done if it was just me. And and I've kind of created this this new kind of concept of success with Marisa. And that's kind of what it's about is come on with me, man. I'll show you everything I got. I'll give you every tidbit I can. If I can help you on any kind of way, I will, because there's too few of us doing this and reaching back and helping each other. Um, and, and that I think he would be proud of, you know, I, I also lost my grandmothers and I was, I'm the first lawyer in my family, right. Um, on my dad's side and the first female attorney, my mom's. So there's a lot of, you know, wanting to reach back and make sure we take care of as many people as possible and bring them with us, yes. you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and if I can share anything that I've learned, then I'm happy to do it. But that's like, that's kind of the season I'm in right now is, you know, let's let's try to, you know, open up this space and have us be in spaces where we didn't think we'd be mm-hmm. and run meetings. Right. And run the courtroom and be the sought after person. Um, it's time. Like, come on, you know, let's yeah, do what it. What are we waiting for? And, 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 I, and so I've always been a huge admirer of people within the system, too, to change the system, because you can't change or disrupt a system if you don't understand the system and if you're not inside the system. So, like, I am always, like, proud of Sonia Sotomayor and the work she's doing. And um, Thurgood Marshall is one of my favorite Supreme Court justices because he was in a time where no one looked like him but was still killing it and winning over 80% of his cases. And I, I always said, like, the civil rights movement was very impactful, but without him being on the inside to impact it and impact the law, 
the change could have been it would have been slower. So I think the work that you know attorneys do um, when people get to the judge levels, especially at the the you know the local levels, the senators, you know people that are really doing work because we're not talking about everyone right now, but that's a whole nother show. Um, I just think it's super super important for people and young people to know that that you know yes you can go out and you can march and you can protest, but the other way to disrupt the system is to go within the system to work within within it to change things. And it sounds like that's the second layer of some of the things you're doing related to your cousin um, is kind of taking all the, all of your learnings, all of the experiences you have and now redirecting that energy. And I just wanted to you know, take it to another <clears throat> thing. I, I saw that you do a lot of work speaking to people about the power of pivot. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I, I remember when you when I met Marissa, she I met her through a network and I was like, I have to have this woman on, on our show. Um, and she said, you know, I would walk in a room and people would ask me to go get the coffee. They would automatically assume she was a secretary. And mm -hmm. so I was curious, like, how that felt for you after, like, busting your tail, like, you know, being this bad arse lawyer, <laughs> walking in a room or walking even in a courtroom and people assuming, like, how did you pivot and change those situations and not allow it to derail you or to kill your confidence? Because let's be real, the odds were already against you. I, I, and, and that's something I can't relate in, in, in its totality, like Elizabeth and yourself, because I am a male. But yes, I am a black male. So there's some levels of resistance mm -hmm. I've even faced. But now compile that with being a woman, a woman of minority descent. The odds are already against you before you even step into your destiny. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, and I'm five feet tall, you can't tell me. Right? Of course um, you are. Small but mighty. I wear big old heels. Like my, my husband can tell when it's that kind of day. Because he's like, oh, you got your heels on? Like, baby, they can't see me past the podium if I don't. You know? Para Rosa, para Rosa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So, um, but, you know, I think it's actually, it was how I was treated so consistently that led me to really lean into the power of pivoting you know because when i look back i would do i would make these pivots i wasn't aware of them mm -hmm. right i wasn't tracking them i didn't know what i was doing um but then i was like wait a minute like and i think before i had told myself people only treat me that way because i'm not good enough yet mm -hmm. not educated yet mm -hmm. i haven't succeeded yet i haven't accomplished anything yet i haven't shown myself worthy mm -hmm. yet Hmm. Right. And then so I go to law school, right? I go to a top tier law school, graduate, you know, um, getting ready to go out for a job. And I am literally at my guidance counselor for my law school and I'm asking her to help me get to a firm. And this is my moment, right, where I'm like, I did everything right. And she was not very helpful because mm. she had decided I was not that person. Not now, probably not ever. And it's what drove me to like, you know what? Just because of that, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go and get that job that you think I am not capable of having because I am going to get there. I'm going to do it somehow. And that started this journey that led me to the power of pivoting because it became kind of a, like apparent to me, like I was wrong. I was naive. There is no good enough yet. For some people, they see what they see when I walk in a room, no matter what is past my name, what accomplishments I've got how many, you know, whatever wins, that's not what they see. And no matter how long that list is, it's not going to be what they see. Mm. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, I was livid because I thought I had made it up the mountain, right? I was like, yes, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. I made it. 
Now, girl, there was another mountain right up in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. It, and it took the wind out of my sails. It deflated me. I was mad. I was frustrated. I felt hopeless. And that's not my place, right? That's not where I want to be. And that's what led me to, there's got to be a different way to relate to life, to relate to people, to relate to myself, that I know I'm going to be facing this probably every day or to some extent every single week of my life. I don't want to feel this way for the rest of my life. Um, and, and it really became through this, and it was like a year, five years, six years process of just reading everything I could to improve myself and my skills and mindset and everything that ultimately led me to the program that I'm creating now. It's a mastermind program that's called The Power of Pivoting, where I walk people through how you can relate to life differently so you always are in control. That doesn't mean things go your way, but you have the ability to make a choice at any moment on how you feel, and that is a win in and of itself. And then what you come of it and and what you can learn from it, when you have some distance and it doesn't feel so personal, you go, oh, snap. Actually, this has nothing to do with me. It's really about yada, yada, yada. But when you're on the emotion of it, right, when it just feels so personal and it feels like I didn't do anything to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong. Why are you being this way? You don't have the distance to take a step back and go, maybe there's other things going on here. Mm. Yeah, I might have triggered you. That's kind of the way I think of it. Like something about me might have triggered you, but this has way more to do with the other person that it does with me. There are some other underlying factors that are, that, that are taking place. And Elizabeth has said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you, you know, sometimes I, I deal with, with people, staff and so forth. And I, I remember one time, it may have been a year, a couple of years ago, I came home and uh, I was, I think I was venting about something. And Elizabeth in her calm disposition and demeanor said, well, do you think it was you? Or do you think maybe they were dealing with some other, you know, issues as you guys came together? And do you know, I did not think about that because as you stated, I didn't create enough space to really sit back and observe instead of just taking it personal, you know, recognizing that, hold on, when you create that level of space, if I'm understanding you correctly, you do have a chance to evaluate before you jump to conclusions. It is because, I mean, I'll walk into a room and just like you were saying, you know, they'll be like, oh, honey, can you get us this? Can you get, I'm like, okay, sure. And, and it's a deposition. I'm the attorney taking the deposition, right? I'm like, Okay. You know, and I, and I didn't know what to do with it at first. Like I become very witty and charming sometimes, you know, I, I'll pick my poison, decide how mm-hmm. I want to handle it. Sometimes I give them the coffee and then I take my seat. I was like, what side are you all on? Okay. And they're like, oh, are you the attorney? I said, I am. <laughs> Snuck up on you, mm-hmm. you know, or like something, right? So it doesn't have, but, and it just was happening so often and, or even clients, they would second guess me, right? They wanted to tell me how to do my job. You know, just all these things. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I did all of these things and it's not enough yet. The other thing. How am I going to flip this on its head? How do I take control back? How do we do something different with what I know is going to be consistent? Like, it ain't going nowhere. And I think the other thing I'm hearing is you found your voice and you found peace within yourself. So I agree with you that your presence sometimes can trigger people. It can make them feel a certain way because oftentimes sometimes you may have a light or a talent that they wish they had and they don't even know like the depths of how hard you work to develop that talent and they may just think you're fortunate or they could have whatever going on but a lot of times it is some projection 
going on, you know. Some it really people, is. Yeah. And, and, and when you have just the ability, you know, like that's what I was missing. Like I tell people, one of the reasons that I do this and I'm so passionate about it is I remember that feeling when you're not seen, mm-hmm. when you're dismissed, mm-hmm. um, when, they, when they look at you like shocked that you are whoever you are in that room. You know, it does something to your soul when you're in that space, mm-hmm. especially when you've had to work so hard to get there. Yeah. And that emotional state is what I can't stand for anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's really like, no, honey, like I come over, let me help you. Let me do whatever I can. Because I remember what that felt like. Um, and once you, and, and you, and it's blinding and it's paralyzing and it consumes you. Right. And when you're in that space, like all I needed was a way out. And that's what the power of pivoting allowed me to do was take a step back and go, wait a minute, have I done something? Did I, did I miss something? Like I would start with me, you know, I was like, if I did something, I'll own it. Right. I'm a big girl. Um, and then when all the answers were like, no, I was like, okay, so clearly this has more to do with them than me. And then you can make some decisions about how you navigate that Mm -hmm. from that point forward. And that by itself is already a win because now I've gone from feeling blinded and paralyzed and consumed and can't even see straight to now like, okay, that's, you know, is this someone I have to deal with? Do like, what level of engagement do I need here? Do I just need to get through this meeting? Is this a long, you know, you make all these different decisions that really, that's why I say it gives, it puts you back in control because, and then there's times that I'll tell my husband, you know, today's not the day. Today, I'm upset. Like, I cannot believe I'm dealing with this. Again. And you're human. I mean, there's the human factor, too. You yeah. Can, you can get like, up and to I'll here. Tell him today right? just, yeah. And he's like, baby, what can I do? I said, you just need to let me be in it today. Because sometimes it's okay not to be okay. And I'm just not okay today. But I will be tomorrow. And I'll be that girl. I'll put my pants on. I'll go get it. You know, whatever. But for today, I'm not looking at my phone. And I'm going to look at mindless TV and just be in this space. Mm-hmm. I like that. I call that the retreat factor mm-hmm. um, and, and what love it means. It. And I love what you said, because, yeah, you need a moment. You know, you vocally express that uh, to your family, to your friends or whomever. Um, one of my things is I, I'm bad about expressing that. Um, and Elizabeth knows um, when it's, it's getting better, though. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, us men, we're different. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to use yeah. that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. She said you, you know. are. <laughs> oh, I heard that shot, Miss Marissa. <laughs> You know, but we're not. And as, as much as, as, as you guys, women I'm um, speaking of, want us to be more vocal, it's just not innately in us to talk about every little thing. But I say that because, yes, I do have retreatable moments where I literally need to retreat. Sometimes it's dealing with, you know, the woes outside of the house. Sometimes it's dealing with work related things. Sometimes it's just dealing with my own internal you know, demons and struggles, you know, but I like what you said, because I've, I've said the very same retreat doesn't mean you stay away. Retreat means just what it says. Some of the greatest military, you know, uh, uh, minds have decided to retreat for, for a certain period of time just to come back. What weaker or stronger. So when I hear you say that you need that moment, because you got to go back into the courtroom, you got to go back into, into what you do best, you know, in that particular, you know, scene of the judicial system, I can only imagine how much weight that can actually be. It is. And and it's, and it, it was getting to the point where, you know, I'm generally a pretty happy person, right? I try to live a life that's, that's worth living. That matters. So for me to be in a space where it kind of felt like you're constantly followed by that dark cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and, and I knew for a fact like this was not going to change. 
right? Mm. So people told me, my visa, why do I have to be the one to work on me? I said, first of all, you don't have to do anything. Secondly, the only thing we can control or have a best shot at controlling is ourselves, our emotions, our reactions. That's it. That's it. So sure, you can approach it any way you want, knock yourself out. All I'm telling you is reliably, the one thing that I can tell you for a fact is I can have some degree of success in controlling my emotions or my reactions. <laughs> and even when I have a moment when I'm not, there's a consciousness to it that already empowers me. Mm. And so it's not even about kind of like we were talking about earlier, like the, you know, when it's not just about when you get over it. Right. It's also the messiness in the middle where it's like, I can, I know where I'm at <laughs> right now. I'm in this middle messy part. I'm not happy about it, but I get where I am and I get that I could make a different choice right now, but I'm not ready to. That is self-care, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that is empowering, too, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you're the person making a decision. Do I want to make a pivot right this second or do I not? And that in itself is already powerful. And, you know, everything that you're saying, it always includes a level of faith, faith in, in, in a higher power, in a God, faith in yourself. You know, there's an old saying, you know, faith starts from the neck up. And it's so true because that faith from the neck up is tested. Notice not from the neck down, because what we do is based on what we decide from the neck up. And when I hear you talk, it sounds like now, and you let me know, did you have a mentor um, once you decided to, 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 to help you with this course or this journey? Or do you just find certain people within your circles um, that help you to weather you know, some of these storms? So I'll tell you, I had uh, two grandmothers that were both very religious. Um, and so, you know, God in my household has been a very big deal to us. Um, and when I talk about the power of pivoting, I tell people about the assumptions it makes because I want people to understand like there's some assumptions I make and then we build on it. And the first assumption is that life is not personal. It's a series of lessons. Mm-hmm. And uh, no matter what your religion or spirituality, most of them have that in common, right? Where like life is not to be punished. It's a series of lessons of uh, wherever you draw that from. But that, that is certainly one of the assumptions. And then the other assumption that it makes is that the world needs you specifically. And I tell people when they tell me, well, that they're dealing with this or that or the other, I say, honey, one thing I know for a fact is you're supposed to be here or else you wouldn't be here. And I said, what if I don't believe that? I say, you don't have to believe it. Live into it. See what happens. Mm, I like live into it. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's a very different way because mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, because that's the thing. I was like, we don't want to do something till we believe it, till we're convinced, till we're persuaded. Right. And I tell them, just like, what's the worst that can happen if you lived into that? Live into those two premises. I mean, even when come talk to me, even when you look at people that are highly successful, like you could look at J Lo, you can look at Beyonce. We can compare both. They started at the very beginning, not knowing what they know now. All of where they are now is because of everything they've been through. And it was funny because I was watching. I like I'm into documentaries because I'm always like, how do people get here? What is their journey? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are their obstacles? How do they overcome it? Both of them, it was interested in watching because I didn't get to see Beyonce's film yet, but I saw a portion of it. And people were questioning her decisions. Now, Beyonce is almost a billionaire, if not a billionaire. Um, and she's wildly successful, okay? And they were like, I don't think you could do that. And she's like, so she's sitting there on her computer Googling it. She's like, so I can't get this kind of camera and this, this. And she's like, 
And she's kind of giving side eye. And I'm like, yeah. man, even Beyonce got to fight to get what she wants. Like, you, you, know, you know it exists. And it's Beyonce. And it's right? Beyonce. Like, J-Lo, same thing. She's doing her thing. I saw her documentary. She's behind mm-hmm. the scenes. She likes things a certain way. She's directive. But it's still, you can see the hard work. And I think men, you know, men who are highly successful go through similar, right? But it's just, it's, it, what was great for me to see and understand is like, man, it doesn't matter. Like, no matter what your level is of success, people still have different challenges at that level. And I remember reading something about even people who become very wealthy, sometimes they're still not invited in certain circles. There's old money and new money, and there's people like, I don't want you here because you don't have old money. You're new money. So there's discrimination and things happening no matter like where you get. So just like you said, you get off one mountain, you like, whew, I made it. You you see, you get to that mountain, and you look, and you're like, oh my God, there's another mountain. So I think those are, uh, you know, just some of the things you shared. Like I heard you say, like, you know, you found your voice. You found a way to talk to people. Sometimes you go and get the coffee and sometimes you're like, not today. (laughs) You retreat when you need to. You take that emotional space when you need to. You lean into your husband, you know, as a support. You lean into your faith as support. So I like that you're giving people well-rounded ways. But I like how you just said life is here. You said something about life. What did you say? Life needs you. And people kind of, you're right, they can't always see it because they're looking like, what? it should be easy. It should just come to me. And that's just not how life is. It is a series of lessons. Well, like but but it's also a series of fights. I once heard a very wise man say, he said, uh, young man, just know everybody is in a fight. And when he said that, at first I was like, okay, rich man. I mean, this is when I was, of course, younger. I was still green. Like, if you're affluent, you're rich. I mean, what do you have to fight for? And I I remember it so vividly. He said, for any and everything, it doesn't matter about money. Sometimes you have to fight for the right type of relationship, the right type of peace. You have to fight for a number of levels. And his whole point was, so therefore, make sure you respect everyone you come across. I don't care if they're lowly. I don't care if they're wealthy because every man, every woman is in a fight. And when you treat people with that level of respect, and as I hear you speak, when you're ready to give advice to anyone who's who's in the struggle that you once upon a time was in, that's what I hear. You recognize, oh man, he's in a fight. She's in a fight. And I'm going to respect them enough to give them what insight I do have. So maybe they can fight a little bit smarter and not necessarily harder. So I just always love to, to, to parallel that with everyone. It, it keeps you humble, in other words. And if I was, you know, a, a billion dollar, you know, uh, affluent individual, I hope because of my upbringing, you know, my humility that I would recognize, you know, everyone is in, in a fight. Homeless individuals I come across. It's so, it's so amazing. And I didn't tell Elizabeth this because I don't say these things for pats on the back. I say it because, boy, that could easily be you. And then you treat every man as he should be treated. Um, when we were in Denver, um, I, I went on just, just a little walk, a little run, and I saw a lot of homeless brothers. And I'm going to be honest with you, there was some that I saw I wanted to give eye contact to. I really did because I wanted them to feel like they were men, that they were at least recognized. And I never forget there was one gentleman, he almost looked surprised when I walked past it. I said, morning, brother, happy Thanksgiving to you, you know. And he literally just looked at me as if, is he talking to me? And I'm not going to lie to you, it melted my heart in such a way. I got a little emotional because I realized I don't know his whole situation, but he's in a fight. I'm in a fight. Our fights may look differently, but they're fights nonetheless. And I, and I say that a lot to people, you know, because they'll tell me, oh, so-and-so, you know, we have people, sometimes the meanest people 
are going through the most devastating circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that's part of what power of pivoting helped me see. Like somebody was really kind of nasty to me. And I was like, I'm not nasty. I'm respectful. Like, why? And uh, I got an out of office message from him and I needed authority to do something. So it said, oh, I'm not here. Call so-and-so. I call so-and-so. Said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I got the out of message, you know, but I need this, you know, and I said, I know I'm probably not his favorite, but I promise you these are the reasons why I think it's important. And then he shared with me that this person had almost lost their job because they had trusted an attorney and kind of didn't do the background mm. that they needed to. And that almost never happens, but it happened and it was, mm-hmm. and it was kind of devastating for him. And he said, so don't, you know, it's not you. I think you're doing great. I've seen some of the emails <laughs> and it was humbling, like you say, but it also is what made me kind of embrace and lean into the pivoting even more because it was kind of like me trying it a little bit, like dibbling, dabbling mm-hmm. and seeing. And then it, in that moment, I was like, see, there's so much more that's going on with people than what oh, we yeah. know. That is a book, The Four Agreements, which is so great because it talks about that. Like when you yes. when you don't make an I've assumption read that book. many times, you know? right? And at different points in your life, you appreciate it, it, you know, in different ways. But when you don't assume, it's it's, it's very powerful because you just don't know what people are facing or going through. You have no idea. And that's one of the things that I that I really love about, you know, kind of this approach, because it gives people that distance to evaluate then it gives people that distance for perspective, um, that distance for compassion, you know, um, and that distance to act, right? So, but you you do need that distance because when life feels personal, like it's coming to get you or it's about you, it, it, you get too narrow, right? It's kind of like not having peripheral vision where you're just kind of narrow. You're, you're, you're myopic, you gotta look, yeah. Just drive. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there really is, there's so much more going on with people, with life, you know, all of it than what we appreciate. Um, you And I've never had a situation where it's like, oh, let me try to make a pivot and it blew up in my face. You know, it was like, okay. Sometimes it's just a personality thing. Like, was, we are just not going to jive. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's all right. You know, at the end of the day, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to move forward. And here's how we're going to, you know, make it to the next one. And that's your coping mechanism of like, you know, taking your reaction and taking ownership of it of how you react to a situation because you can't control how people will treat you. You can't control how they will react to you, but you can't control your reaction and you kind of emotionally regulating yourself. So I thought that was. Well, I like the term pivot, you know, me being an athlete once upon a time, you know, uh, (laughs) and, you know, pivot was, of course, you know, a key term that was used in basketball because if you did not pivot, meaning you had to keep one foot stationary. okay, but you can turn in whichever directions you needed to turn as long as you kept that foot planted. I associate that with how you term um, um, that particular word pivoting. You haven't lost your ground. You you still have your foot secure, but yet you're turning in various directions if need be to either avoid or either to confront. But nonetheless, your foot is still established. So when when I I just I I like that term, but I'm going to tell you something else. uh, And this is for the audience. You guys do not know, but uh, Miss Marissa, she has a pleasant smile. I'm telling you, she's just all dolled up. But I already know she is fuego in that courtroom. I can already tell. And and I I didn't want to say that at first, but I know the audience is like, wow, she's just so nice. Yes, she is. But I know there's another person um, when it's time for that person to come out so that you can perform your job at its best. My brother, my husband says we're like hockey players. He's like, I finally figured y'all out. I say, like, what you figure out, baby? 
You know, because this is just me right there. And he's like, y'all like hockey players. I was like, what's that mean? He's like, you just go on down the ring, just waiting for a fight. <laughs> That's not how this works. But it's kind of true. Like you want to play this play, right? Um, but for the, but that that part of my personality, I need this much of the time, and the other part of the time, you know, is mostly intellectual analyzing, right, reading, research. But you write, you know, I already he, know. He, yeah, he'll be like, oh no, like he's heard me on. He's like, ooh, ooh. So what they do? Leave the room, leave the room, sir. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna let you do what you do. I was like, that's right. <laughs> and then I'll come and be like, hey, baby. <laughs> But you know, one thing I do admire uh, about this interview um, that, that we've had the pleasure of doing is I keep hearing not getting lost in the temporary. And what I mean is this, when you talked about just going through different phases, I always call those phases seasons. And I sometimes have to be reminded, I've kept journals for years and sometimes I'll go back through my journals, my notes, and I'll remind myself of something I may have written years ago. And one thing I came across uh, 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 quite a few months ago is that don't get lost in the temporary and don't lose sight of yourself and your purpose in the temporary or the temporal. That's yeah, that's amazing. That's absolutely, you know, that is perfectly said, you know, so, so I just, man, yeah. yeah, we, we have so enjoyed you and we know the show is coming to an end, unfortunately, but um, we definitely want to have you back and see and learn and hear more about the work you're doing related to your cousin. It sounds like that's a whole different topic. <laughs> so it would be great to just see how that's progressing at some time in the future, if you're open to that. But what do you absolutely? Yeah. What do you want to share with people before you leave? Um, how can they find you? What type of um, legal work do you do? If you want to talk a little bit about that, just so people are aware. Well, so one of the things that I that I wanted to mention earlier um, that I think is important is you you talked about how you liked that I was talking about how how it was messy, right? Um, and and I and one of the things that I really want people to take away anytime that I'm in their presence is I wrote myself out of my life because I, I didn't look like what I thought a lawyer should look like. Mm. Nobody that was a lawyer looked like me or was messy like me. It was kind of all over the place like me. And I had decided I was not lawyer material. Um, and really, my cousin's death and, and honoring his memory is what made me go for it in, in the midst of that. But it's one of the reasons that I do talk about it, because I think we often decide for ourselves in our own voice when we're not good enough for something or when mm. we shouldn't even try something. Mm. And if there's anything that I want people to know is, Honey, like mess, like what you see when you see someone successful does not mean that they got there with not being messy. Mm -hmm. And just because they don't look like you doesn't mean it cannot be you. Mm -hmm. um, and and I just, you know, I, I just have to say that because it's like I, I know for a fact there's so many times in my life that if I had stopped when I didn't see myself in those moments, I would not be here. Um, and so, but after I got done preaching right for a second, <laughs> um, That's just kind of what I want to make sure people know, just period, whether they see me ever again in life or not, you should just know that you have greatness in you. That is why you are on this earth and you are here to discover it and develop it and grow into it. And just because you ain't there right now doesn't mean you're not going to get there later. So don't ever let that stop you. And let's um, let, and also let's not forget, there's, there's always the battle scars to prove what we've endured. 
Well, and sometimes you don't know your journey. Like I tell people all the time, you know, they said, do you have regrets? You know, do are you? I said, no, I said everything, even the most difficult of moments, those times that you are in the corner crying or in the shower crying and don't know how you're getting through it and don't know how you're going to do it. Um, that is what taught me my strength. Mm. That is what taught me my resilience. I agree. That is why they can't. Yeah. T- you know what I'm saying? I know like, exactly what you're saying. People think it's the success, but I always say it's mm. the losing. It's the mm. failure. Mm. That's, that's how is. you learn because mm. that's how you learn to win. Uh, but it's all- And then I go, wait a minute. This didn't scale to that. Like if I've been through all that and I came out on the other side, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. I don't feel all right. Mm. You know, today but- I'm sad. Today I'm mad. But I also think the messiness that you went through probably makes you an excellent lawyer because you can see things that other people cannot relatability, see. Relatability, you know. There's relatability. Yeah. You can see people that are messy and you know how to help them self-correct. Navigate so that, through it. And navigate through it. So that's it actually becomes a gift. So it's probably your superpower that you went through all that because you recognize Like, it. how does she know this? How, how do you know this? And you're like, ah. My late pops used to always say, it's nothing that you, hey, you use broken English. Ain't nothing you didn't did that I ain't already done. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but but it really is, and that's part of like how I manage my cases and how like I do a lot of trial work and how I come up with themes or how I come up with how we're going to present it to a jury. I, I don't sound like a lawyer if I can possibly help it uh, because that's not who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking to the people, and I have the same questions you do, mm-hmm. and I want right. the same answers you and that's do. That's connection, actually. Um, and some I people talk questioning. Over. Yep. Yeah. And, and I hate that when people, like I have people talk down to me all every day. Um, and I just tell myself, I'm not going to be that person, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's not what we do here. Um, and so I end up, you know, fundamentally, I am now like in this phase of, I have a, I'm putting together a website. It's www.successwithmarisa and Marisa's M-A-R-I-S-A dot com. Um, and the mastermind program that I'm creating, the power of pivoting, we're going to release it there to the website. Um, so people will know I'm actually in the middle of filming now. Um, so it's really exciting to kind of give people the tools that they need to, if you want to try a different way of relating to life, if you want to try something different that might give you the distance or might give you the framework, um, to just try something else, right. And live into something else and see what that looks like. Uh, we're gonna. That's gonna be kind of the hub for whatever I do. When I do do public speaking events or things of that nature, we're also gonna put them there. Um, and interviews, you know, that people are kind enough to share with me. We're gonna we're gonna upload everything there. So if people want to hear more about this and want to hear more stories and want to hear uh, what we're doing next or are interested in the program, that's gonna be the central hub for everything. Um, and you can also email me because I'm the one that controls the the email at info at successwithmarisa.com. Um, I'm the only one that has access to it. And, I'm, and I really want to, I, I do that with my clients too. I probably have 7,000 emails in my email right now. And I've read every single one of them. I may not act on every single one of them at the time, but I read every single one of them. Um, my staff knows I have a photographic memory, so that can be really annoying sometimes. I'm but. sure, especially in arguments. <laughs> That's a true lawyer quality, by the way. It is like you teenagers know, probably don't like your your stepdaughter may not like it either. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. No, they don't. And I'll be like, no, I saw it. It's the fourth thing down. And the, you know, but um, but I do. You know, it's just kind of the, who I am, and I so you know I'm in this this season of my life where if there's anything I can do to help people not feel the way I, I felt 
and to make sure they know that they're seen and they're heard and they're valued and not to take other people's treatment of them as a reflection of their mm. worth. Good stuff. That is worth I love living that. a life for. That's stuff. great. Good stuff. And what I'm going to do, Marissa, is I'm going to start to learn even more because I've heard it from Elizabeth already and now I'm hearing it from you, is to start creating a little bit of space so I'll know how to pivot and not take it personal. And not retreat totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I promise you, I'll tell you this, try it out. The moment you start, you, you can have the distance to not take it personally, like the whole world looks different. Like you probably remember this, Elizabeth. I say to people, it's like when I bought my first pair of glasses, um, you know, I, you, you kind of know like something's off, but I put on my glasses and I was like, oh my gosh, it looks so clear. And nothing had changed. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing had changed That's except true. my vision. That's true. Right? And my focus. Right. And that is what the power of pivoting does for you. It's like if you can take that step back, that same circumstance with that same person that, that incited that same reaction looks completely different. Oh my God. So, so many pearls of wisdom dropped tonight. Um, I think people are totally going to enjoy this show. Thank you, Marisa. I think I got my R oh, right that time. Yeah. So if you guys want to find out more about Marisa Ibera Williams, um, you can go to successwithmarisa.com. Um, find out more about the work she's doing. If you need power to pivot and do things differently, um, it sounds like Marisa just has a, so much more to her story, but I'm glad we got to get a glimpse and learn about you tonight. Um, so we're well, gonna, oh, go ahead. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You guys have been such a joy to be with and you know, just thank you for giving me the, the opportunity to share kind of what season I'm in and what we're up to. And, and I'd be happy to come back anytime over any subject for any reason, because you guys are just amazing. Um, and congratulations on the work that you're doing. It's Aww, phenomenal. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. You want to say any words before we wrap up the show? I would love to add another nugget on top of Marissa's <laughs> nuggets of wisdom. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please don't get lost in the temporal. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we're going to sign off for now. Please remember to subscribe to future episodes of the Bed Talks podcast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, um, or I should say Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and many other platforms. And until next time, XOXO. XO.